Hey, before we get started with today's show, I wanted to share an amazing opportunity for college or graduate students interested in promoting organ donation on your campus. The Student Organ Donation Advocates Group, better known as SODA, is offering 11 scholarships for the 2023-2024 school year. To apply, please visit sodanational.org backslash scholarships or contact students at sodanational.org. The deadline to apply is June 15, 2023. Episode 119 features SODA, so maybe you can check it out after you listen to this one. Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. And I'm Nyla Schwab. Coming up on this episode of The Gifted Life. Elopa's goal is to make life happen. And today we're collaborating with our partners about how we can each do our part to prevent avoidable deaths. And we're also going to talk about the last leg of the four-legged stool, which is just trying to keep a balance in life, which is trying to to find joy or creative life or meaning in life. Oh, I like that. All right. Lots to get to here on The Gifted Life. Hang on. on the Gifted Life podcast. We are visiting with some old friends who have been here on the Gifted Life before. We love to learn with our partners, and that's what we're going to be doing today. So uh, Kristen Sanderson is back. Hello, ma'am. Hi, good to be here. All right. She's the Injury Prevention Manager with the Louisiana Office of Public Health. We also have Chris Snowblock. How are you? Hey, doing well. Thank you. Uh, Forensic Death Investigator with the St. Tammany Parish Coroner's Office. And we're going to be talking about gun safety today here on the Gifted Life. I just want to say, well, Welcome. I'm, I'm super excited that y'all are here. And for our listeners, you might be saying, okay, so how is this, how, how are we pairing this up? Um, I, I just, our mission, Lopa's mission, is um, making life happen. And to be able to have y'all as guests here to talk about gun safety, saving lives, keeping children safe, keeping adults safe, following the trends, that that's our community. And this community carries out across state lines. So we're just, we welcome y'all being here. Um, we see, I guess, the death um, and then turning that into life. But at the same time, we want to prevent those deaths. We have families that we love. We have people, neighbors. Um, So thank you all for being here and teach us how to keep people safe so we can make life happen. Education is key. We know that. So we're ready to learn. I got my pen and my paper. Everybody ready? All right. So I'm going to tell you a couple of things. BeSmartForKids.org slash Louisiana. We're going to focus on Louisiana. We're also going to talk about nationwide. Also, projectchildsafe.org. And we'll repeat those here on the on the Gifted Life. But um, I guess, Chris, we'll, we'll start out with you. These are passionate projects for you as we just try to keep our community safe. Here's some things that we're seeing, and here's how they can be prevented. And thank you that, you know, a our office believes that we have a professional and an ethical and a moral responsibility to prevent deaths as well as respond to deaths. And we'd much rather prevent these totally 100% preventable deaths um, than have to go out and pick up a child or someone who uh, um, dies from suicide uh, as a result of a, a, a firearm. So I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. And so, uh, Kristen, with you guys, you look at the, the data, like what is it that we're facing and what can we do to move us 
in a different direction. Yeah, so we know firearm injuries are the leading cause of death among children and teens in Louisiana, and Louisiana has the highest rate of unintentional shootings by children in the nation, but this is also a nationwide trend. Um, And we know that from research that most unintentional shootings by children could have been prevented if if a firearm was stored properly. So we've been looking at the data here in Louisiana through our child death review panel, and we're noticing increases in the number of firearm-related deaths for children under 15. Um, But we've also been looking at the data, too, for for teens and kids from 1 to 19, and have seen that increasing as well. So based on that, um, we put together with partners to try to figure out what we can do in terms of a communications and marketing campaign to get this message out more broadly here. And so um, we did some digging, and we partnered with National Be Smart. And Be Smart's an acronym, and it means smart. So S is secure all guns in homes and vehicles. Model is modeling responsible behavior around guns. Ask, ask around about unsecured firearms in other homes that your child may be visiting. Recognize, so recognize the role of firearms in suicides and tell, tell friends to be safe. So that's the acronym for Be Smart. And um, we partnered with them and did, we developed materials, so posters, palm cards and brochures and tested them with Louisiana gun owners, made sure they resonated, it made sense to them, it was easy for them to use um, and to talk about. And that's what we did. We developed the materials and have been broadcasting the message and giving uh, materials out to communities. And it's a multidisciplinary partnership. So we have coroner's offices, law enforcement, faith-based leaders, um, pediatricians, just anyone who wants to talk about how to keep kids safe from firearms. Yeah, we love our partners, um, too. And I I feel like uh, we're in sportsman's paradise. Like, I feel like uh, we have these hunters and, you know, folks that that go out. But I also feel like uh, social media and the news you're always hearing about that. So when you hear about those stats, it's like, are we hearing it more because we're on social media and you have more access to the information? Are we seeing it more? And so with this data, we are. And what can we do to prevent it? I think you're right. I'm, uh, you know, but from a practical standpoint, you know, I see these things uh, statistically uh, through our office and other offices as well. I mean, we just uh, last month had a tragic case down in LaFouche Parish where a six-year-old got a hold of a gun and shot another six-year-old because the gun yeah. was not secured. Um, that's that's the practical aspect of it. It's it's um, it's a problem not only in the community with children but uh, with also with uh, with suicides. I mean, it's suicide uh, firearms are our number one cause of suicides or our number one method of suicides um, that we see here in St. Tammany Parish. Um, so we we actually partnered with Project Child Safe, which is uh, through the uh, National um, Safe Shooters Foundation, and they have what's called the Own It, Respect It, and Secure It initiative. And so, if you own a gun, you should respect it and you should secure it properly. So our program is really built on a two-part program where we educate first of all the the adults on how they should secure their weapons. For instance, keeping them unloaded um, at all times until they're ready to fire them, um, locking them up in some type of a safe or a, a safe um, a secure. Uh, drawer, something that has a lock on it that, child's can't, that a child can't get into. Um, then we recommend a, a double safety by locking the mechanism. And so we give away gun locks as part of our program. Uh, we have a, a gun locks that we give away to, to um, people at our table events when we go out and talk to the public so that they have the actual tool to go ahead and secure the gun. And then we also recommend that they keep ammunition locked up in a separate location than their gun because that provides an additional layer of protection. Um, then the, the other part of our program is really geared towards children and what parents should tell their children about guns um, if they should find a gun. So you know, some of these situations where, where children will go into another person's home, even though you secure your guns in a, in a, a, res, a responsible fashion, they may go to a, a friend's house where a gun might be in a, in a drawer of a bedside table. 
And in that particular case, we want that child to know that if they see that gun, if somebody says, hey, my dad's gun's over here, I want to show you my dad's gun, um, they should have a, there's a very simple four-part message that we try to get across to kids, and that's from pre-K all the way up through high school. And that is that they should, number one, they should stop. Number two, don't touch it. Number three, run away. And number four, tell an adult. And, and that's our four-part message to kids. And then we also encourage parents to, to talk to their kids about guns and take the mystery out of guns. If, if they own guns, um, uh, it's important that they, that they familiarize their kids with guns so they know um, just how deadly they can be. And it's not a, a new problem. I feel like every couple of years we, we have to focus in on this. Uh, back in another life, I was a, a local uh, TV reporter, and we talked about gun safety. So we teamed with the local police department, um, the Parks and Recreation, and we had these parents come out and bring their uh, kindergarten and under kids out. And we hid a firearm unloaded um, in the middle of the park and let the kids go out and play in this secure environment. And so if they were to see it, what would they do? And so the first kid went, played, saw it, and screamed, right? Um, and so mom went running, and he didn't touch it. And then the next kid, kid came up, went and told the police officer, I see some something here, you need to check it out. And then the last kid, we, we did a, a couple, and, and a lot of them went to the parent or to the police officer. But one of them took it up and started firing at the car that was parked across the street. And so... Um, the parent that was with them, we talked to them and they said, you know, we have guns all the time. Like, I guess we just assume they're watching us and they see us and, and what we're doing. Um, but now we know that you have to have these conversations. But she said, I just thought they were too little to understand. But today I learned just how much these young kids understand. Oh, yeah. So it means very eye opening. Yeah, we, we, we know that um, there are a lot of different studies that kids know where guns are, even if their parents don't think that they do. And so to echo Chris, yeah, it's, it's us as adults and as gun owners' responsibility to protect kids. And it's not the kid's job to, you know, have that. So like that simple message of just go away, but yeah. and run away from the from the gun, don't pick it up. But it's, it's our job to secure it as adults. Well, and she said, I guess we would have that conversation later when they're a little bit older. I didn't realize we had to start at such a young age. So all oh, these yeah. talking points that you guys are talking about, like, you need to be in play. Yep. Right. The sooner Absolutely. the better. Yeah. Yep. It resonates. You know, I, I've got a two year old. She's two and a half now, but she, you know, she gets around. And of course, we have a big neighborhood, a lot of a lot of friends in a neighborhood now. And uh, and, you know, I know my I and I am a gun owner. Uh, I hunt and uh, and I have a handgun and that but they're secure. And I didn't you know, I. I've been thinking about my house and, and preparing my house just in case, you know, obviously not having a, a gun laying around at the side of a bed or anything like that. Uh, but I didn't think as much, Chris, as what you talked about with, you know, with making sure your friends' houses are all safe. And I guess I should be thinking of that. I should have always thought of that. But I guess just having basically a, a new toddler just didn't, you know, I didn't think about it until you just mentioned it a while ago. It was, it's funny. Yeah, I think if you want to be a responsible parent, you need to, if your child's going to go over to somebody else's house, you need to ask those parents, do you have firearms and, and how do you secure them? And are they, are they available? But, but having that child, that this message imprinted in that child is, is so important because if they do see some, they might find a gun on the street. You know, people throw guns out of, out of cars all the time and, and they might find it. What do they do? Well, stop, don't touch it, run away and tell an adult it's there. So very simple message, and it, it's uh, easy for everybody to understand. Yeah. And in our example, when we pulled the kids together, there were about 10 kids. And so nine of them 
did what you guys are, are preaching, but there was that one. Right. And so if right. it would have been a loaded gun, I mean, he knew how to pull the trigger, that would have been bad news uh, for anybody, for innocent people that were on the roadway or anything like that. So very, very eye-opening. But um, so those those trends that we're seeing now, is that like across the board, have they been going up? Have they been going steady? Do they take dips? Walk us through what that's like in Louisiana and then, yeah. and then nationwide. So it's been going up over the last several years. I mean, we can go back all the way from 2011 and firearms relating cause of death for, for, for kids and teens. But what we've seen is, is a pretty big jump from 2020. So in 2020, there were 24 deaths for for kids and this is under 15 years of age and then in 2021 we saw 38 i mean so that's mm-hmm. a that's a big increase um and our 2022 data isn't finalized yet but we're anticipating a you know consistently higher number um and it is a nationwide trend as well unfortunately and so do we have any reasoning behind you know the access is it the responsible gun owners maybe not following through or do we have any insight into that are we still we're just going to preach safety and here's what we should do it's really hard to know i mean i don't know if chris has anything to but it's it's multiple factors, right? And it's really hard to like narrow it down what it is. But a lot of different things kind of changed around COVID in 2020 and more people being at home. So we've seen different injuries kind of increase from last time we talked about drowning. So that went up in 2020. So maybe it's related to that. Um, It's really hard to to pick like one or two things. But we do know the simplest thing is just securing the firearm. Despite what the trend is, uh, one is too many. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If if getting these messages out to to not only the, the adults, but to the kids, uh, saves one, then then we've we've done well. Mm-hmm. This makes me think, listening to this conversation, because we're not hunters, we don't have guns in the house, and I don't have little little people. But how I watch the news, or I see that the the losses that we face each day, that we, when we are approaching families, and and I think, gosh, there's so much that that I can do. I can, like you said, share this information with the pediatrician. Ask my pediatrician. You know, are y'all doing anything to promote gun control? Um, or like you said, are, are churches, uh, any organization? Because I, I can be that voice to save a life in a way that I hadn't really thought about. I mean, it's, it's just simple questions and, and promoting this information that y'all are, are providing us. And as a community, as someone that cares about kids, this is important. So thank y'all. I just remember... Um, news like I follow news I follow trends so when you when you talk about this I'm going back through all of these stories and so um, this kid uh, was able to find this gun that was in the back storage of the seat of the the driver's seat and was able to pull that out unfortunate incident happened um, but that gun owner said well I have it for safety and if I need it for quick access then I need to be able to mm-hmm. to get it and I think that's one of the points that you guys um, talk about um, in your in your education uh, like that's something some people say but we still need to get it under control we need to use these gun locks we need to be uh, ready to be able to act yeah we we got that feedback a lot when we were when we were testing the messaging and it's a completely yeah. valid you know, concern. What we try to tell people, though, is that there are the biometric gun locks where, you know, you tap of your wrist, you can open it. And those, those are a little more expensive than cable locks, right? But they're still a very quick access. And it's, it's a really great resource to have if you're, if you're concerned about that. And I don't know, Chris, if you have any other thoughts. Well, I think you're right. The biometric stuff um, is, is one possibility. But I think what everybody needs to know that, that um, gun safety in a car 
and having a firearm in a car is just as important as having it in your home secured. That's right. Yeah. I think statistically, if you look at the theft of guns, the number one place that guns are stolen from is from people's cars because they tend mm-hmm. to leave them in there overnight. The burglars go in and they break in the car. I hear that and, all the time too, yeah, like in absolutely. news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where most of those guns get loose uh, on the street. But but I think there was a case. Um, in on the South Shore, just uh, about six eight months ago, where there was a gun under the seat, and the mom left the two kids in the car, and the child got the gun out from under the seat and shot and killed the other child. So, yeah. I mean, it, guns uh, the, in, in vehicles is, is the same as a home. We, we have to be um, really really cognizant of, of what we're what we're doing with that firearm, and that goes back to to what they say: if you own it, you need to respect it and you need to secure it. And we're you know so as uh, Nyla talked about earlier. You know, the, the importance of us continuing these conversations, you know, there is so many ties between uh, us and, and you guys and what we see. And I know, you know, Kristen mentioned the data around 60 percent, 24 to 38 from 2020 to 2021. It blows my mind. And we're seeing similar trends, you know, of course, in the donation piece, because a lot of those unfortunately end up in the hospitals and then and then become organ donors and and we're seeing those numbers increase as well of those sad families that uh that we're approaching uh because their their kids uh, you know have passed away senselessly from a from a gun violence whether it's again accidental suicide or, or homicide so we are seeing the same similar trends the number of of organ donors or potential organ donors that we approached on that we spoke to families and supported in 2021 was 38 and that number went up to 47 uh so so again i know we don't have all the you know you guys have the official data and everything but we are certainly seeing the similar parallel trends and it's sad and which is why we need you know we felt the need to have you guys on uh before about the the drownings because we were seeing it now about the gun violence because we're seeing that it, it all works parallel and we work hand in hand in trying to prevent these things and one of the things about education, you know, when, when you're talking to kids about donation, um, a lot of our families say that's an uncomfortable conversation. So we work with them to help them have that conversation. One of the tips that you guys have is tips for talking to young children, because how do you start that? So I like some of this. Make it part of the normal safety conversation you have with your children. Keep the language simple. If you see a gun, don't touch it. Tell an adult right away. Tell the children not to touch a gun, even if it looks like a toy. Um, and I think those messages really help. Like it sounds simple, like just talk, talk about it, secure them. Like it sounds like a simple message, but I guess one that we need to repeat as many times as, as possible, huh? And I believe if, if mom and dad, if you want to go to the um, Project Child Safe website, uh, that there is a video that's available, how, should, how, how you can talk to kids about guns. It may help you through that, um, getting through that difficult conversation. Yeah, so projectchildsafe.org, valuable information there, besmartforkids.org. You can go there. If you do a backslash Louisiana, you can see some information tailored uh, to those listeners who are here in Louisiana. But good conversation, uh, a conversation starter. That's where we talk about donation. Um, Just have have a little conversation at the the dinner table or or talk about your wishes. And and that's what we try to to preach, right? That's it. Yeah. And it's, it's wonderful that we can have these conversations because I think that we have to support one another and help each other as we protect all our children and um, keep getting this message out to everyone. 
All right. Certainly appreciate learning um, from you guys. I always learn when you're here. Always an open invitation here on The Gifted Life. Uh, Please come and and educate us and our listeners. Uh, Kristen, Chris, I'm going to open up the floor. Any final thoughts before we wrap up today's visit? Yeah. So in one of the acronym for the acronym Be Smart, the R, I just want to reiterate, is around recognizing the role of firearms and suicides. And just want to circle back to that. We know that 40 percent of child suicides involve a gun, which is pretty significant. Um, So just want to make sure that that message around secure storage is also really significant and important for suicide prevention. We should add that not only with children, but adults as well, if, 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 a, if a gun is secured correctly using that multi-layered step of unloading it, keeping it locked up, locking the mechanism, keeping the ammunition separate, that, that buys a little time. If somebody's contemplating suicide by using a firearm, they might pick up that firearm if they have to, unload, if they have to load it, if they have to lock it, uh, unlock it, if they have to uh, unlock that mechanism itself. It buys a little time, and that gives them time to maybe rethink the fact, you know, suicide is very impulsive. So if somebody mm-hmm. grabs a gun, they're going to impulsively shoot themselves. If mm-hmm. they have time to rethink it, um, maybe they'll pick up the phone instead of picking up the gun. And that's what we hope for. That's our message is pick up the phone, call 988 if anybody's familiar, the suicide mm-hmm. crisis hotline. That's that's new uh, yeah, in yeah, nationwide. Yeah. So if, if you have a crisis, you can call 988. There's somebody to talk to. And that's what we hope people will do is, is pick up the phone rather than the gun. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up and, and you know, letting our listeners know what to do and, and how this helps. So thank you all. And more information, guys. I'm going to say it again. Projectchildsafe.org and besmartforkids.org. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Here on The Gifted Life, taking a moment for mental health. Yeah, here, Nyla, we're talking a little bit about self-care. What you got? Oh, Joey, this is my favorite part of talking about self-care, which I just, again, reiterate, self-care takes work. It takes it yes. takes an effort. Put yourself first so, when it comes to that, yeah. Yeah, so we send our families this picture of, a, it's a beautiful card that has a four-legged stool on it, and that last leg is just talking about trying to find meaning in life. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, when I talk to families, um, we'll, we'll usually go through the support, the daily living, the physical, but when I get to that last leg that we mentioned, um, families can't find joy I mean, they just, oh, you know, yeah. it's hard. And, and we usually talk to our families around four months. And, you know, they always say, I, I, don't, I don't think I have it. And, oh. and it's not that, you know, I mean, one, there's guilt of laughing or, yeah. you know, that, right. that, yeah, you just feel. Moving on. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't. And, um, and, I, and I say, I had a mother once tell me that she finds joy in one teardrop at a time. And she said, maybe it's every other day, maybe it's once a day, but she hangs on to that one teardrop. Mm. And so what I tell people is like, or I ask them, what did you enjoy doing when you were a kid? Um, somebody told me once they'd go sit outside and find those four leaf clovers, mm-hmm. you know, and they yeah. would tie them together as a necklace. Oh, I like those. Yeah. And bracelets. And, and I would say, you know, go try to do that. You know, this isn't a right answer. It's just giving yourself permission to try to find something that brings some lightness to your heart mm-hmm. and, um, you know, some different ways or suggestions. I, you know, there's always meditation so good for the mind, the body, the spirit. 
um, or writing about your loss, just sitting down uh, maybe four times a week, just trying to write for 20 minutes. And if that gets too hard, taking a walk. Uh, listening to music. I mean, that's that is such a go to for so many people. There's also painting. And if you've never painted before, then try something new. Uh, it's just creative expression, taking a camera and taking pictures of things that remind you of your loved one. Um, just simple pleasures of just listening to the birds. They did some research that if you listen to birds chirping, that it actually um, increases your gratitude and your joy. Oh. So I've been taking my earphone, my headphones off in the morning during my walk with my dog and I listen for the birds. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's really working, but I I'm, love it. I'm trying. I'm trying. You I know love I, it. I notice, yeah. I don't want y'all to think of me we, differently, but one of my <laughs> things is, you know, around this time of the year, springtime and they're the fresh cut of the grass, mm. like just, yes. uh, just take it all in. And I think about, oh, it's like summer fun, swimming, barbecue, like all comes rushing. But yeah. it makes me feel so, I'm like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, it's funny you mentioned the chirping, though. You know, my, my daughter, who's two, is basically her, her brain isn't full of all kind of things. It's a sponge. And that's always when we're walking, I walk with her. It's always the thing she picks up on. She likes to mimic the whatever birds that are chirping. Oh, how and sweet! Like, and it's it is such an innocent, beautiful sound. Yeah, you look joyful saying that. You Talking do. about your baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, but this is really an important one: the making meaning from loss. Um, there's so many different ways you can do it. I would suggest if you can't think of one, that you recruit some friends or people in your family. If your loved one has a special um, I don't know, they, they had a passion for children, you know, maybe go volunteer doing something special with children. Or if it's uh, cancer, if, if, if there was, you know, if you lost your loved one to cancer, going to do a run. And then you're going to work in some of that, you know, exercising into that too. But you're also doing something special to, to bring your loved one with you moving forward. So it's about, we have one life. There's a beginning and an end, and it's about living that life well and that how we bring our loved one with us. And this takes effort to live this life that we have and um, and honoring our loved one with this life. Oh, I like that. You have a topic you'd like us to cover? Email us, please. Info at thegiftedlife.org. In our question and answer segment, today's question comes from a donor family. My brother was a donor when I was a child, and now that my parents have passed, I wasn't sure if I could still get any information on his donation. That's a great question. So, you know, it it really varies from agency to agency how far our records go back. Um, It also varies with transplant centers how far their records go back. But what I suggest is that you reach out to your local OPO, um, your organ procurement agency, and let them help you with those questions. And I I know with LOPA, we're going to do our best to find out as much or any information that we can. I was going to say, I think you guys are the best because mm-hmm. you just you try, you ask questions, uh, you make phone calls. Like, let's let's see all that we can do. So I, I appreciate going to the next level uh, to try to help families. I can say even firsthand, I've seen Nyla and Libby, you know, going back, you know, 20 plus years and and being able to find some information 
you know, about the, about their loved ones. So it takes it's effort. amazing. Yeah, it yeah. does. And it, 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 you can, I'm, I can attest to what uh, they, the lengths that they go th- through to see that happen. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and I think families are brave to call and ask these questions. So thank you. If you have a question for us, we'd like for you to give us a call. 504-648-3477. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero is Tony Medley. And we learn about Tony from his family. My son Tony passed away six days before his 24th birthday. He grew up in a family of volunteer firefighters, EMTs couldn't wait to turn 13 so he could join the Junior Volunteer Fire Department and work with his aunt, uncle, and mom. He was chief of the Junior Fire Cadets until he graduated high school and then went on to become an active member and took a level one firefighter course. It was no big surprise to us that he would become an organ donor. He loved helping people. If he wasn't at the fire department, Tony enjoyed fishing and camping with his family. I was told he was able to save five lives with seven gifts. Tony's life ambition was to become a career firefighter or a police officer. He couldn't decide which path to choose. My son's dream was to serve and protect. I'm so thankful that even in death, he was able to do just that. He's able to serve and protect through so many other people. It helps knowing he's living on in others. We pause and say thank you to Tony for the gift of life. Episode 213 of The Gifted Life is in the books. Thanks for listening, guys. Remember, you can register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor anytime. Registerme.org. Yes, special thanks to Chris Noblock, uh, the forensics death investigator for St. Tammany Parish Coroner's Office, and Kristen Sanderson, who is the injury prevention manager at Louisiana Office of Public Health, for coming in, sharing such valuable information about gun safety, and gun violence, uh, and and a lot of tips that can help us all in keeping our kids safe in the future. Education is key. Love our partners. The best place to find us, guys, on our website, thegiftedlife.org. We hope that you'll share this episode and others as we all continue learning. Listen there and find links to listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating. It really helps others find us. On social media, we have a Facebook page, guys. Did you know? It's called The Gifted Life Podcast. We'd appreciate a follow. And you can also follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Gifted Life Pod. Our ask is that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. We're one big team. This is a production of the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Nyla Schwab. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. <laughs>